Hello, and you're listening to Let's Drone Out. And special thank you to our lovely patrons that help donate so that we can pay the editor to remove the swear words and silly things we say. Massive thank you to... Carlos Campos. Art Faulkner. Sam Dharma. On with the show. Let's Drone Out. Hello and welcome to another episode of Let's Run Out. You are joined by everyone's favourite curry kitten. Hello, sorry about the hair, it's gone weird. Uh, the man with the moustache and the bogey effect. Hello. Shiny new lens. Mm. And I am the Kit Kat inserter. Hello and welcome. Twisted Kit Kat inserter. That goes without saying really. You don't want to see the picture we've just had to share. Well, under um, yeah. under YouTube's guidance, you can't show it. They specifically call that out in the guidance. Then that's that's good to know. They've been very <laughs> thorough, very thorough indeed. The problem is, is if you start going to events and being like, "Show us the Kit Kat photo," and they're just like, "I'm going to be like, no, <laughs> spread." <laughs> I know, yeah. I uh, don't know whether you want to elaborate. Yeah, that's just not. Let's just. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just. Uh, Jack put a kick up his bum and took a photo. <laughs> you said not elaborate, but sure. Okay, come on, come at us, YouTube. <laughs> you laughed the hardest, definitely. I I definitely need some sort of helpline to suffer this sort of abuse. If this, was a, if this was was a work environment. We'd, we'd all be in for oh, a lot of right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a Me Too situation. I, I no, in <laughs> Stephen, you could stick up for me on this. I did ask. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a voluntary viewing of the offending <laughs> article. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how it makes it any... <laughs> was it chunky? Was it nutty? It <laughs> Uh, I warned you. I said you're drinking the uh, the Tesla beer. I sent. The oh, it's revenge video. for the Tesla beer, is it? Yeah. How many fingers, Jack? Out of it was four. Four. I could only are. see one finger clearly. The rest had disappeared <laughs> behind the veil. Uh, it was not a chunky. I'm not that brave. Got issues. Right, something, something, FPV. Oh yes, yeah. that's well, true. That thing. We do that, don't we? I I, I watched yeah. Curry's uh, video on the um, HD Zero goggles. Mm, very thorough it was too. Yes. Did you watch the follow up, which came out yesterday about the little quad? No, little quad okay. that could. Yeah. What I, little I think I did that on, I maybe flew that Friday. I went out down the woods mm-hmm. with the little um, Moblite 7, which was quite, quite powerful for a 1S. I found it quite tricky indoors. I had to bring all the um, throttle limit down and set a bit of a throttle curve. But outside in the woods, it's quite good fun. And I was interested to see how it did just by normal route of like zipping in and out of the trees. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing too heavy, but it was okay. It was... It was like normal HD zero look sparkles to keep you amused whilst you're flying around, but it wasn't mm. wasn't too heavy. And it, yeah, um, it got some pretty good results there. It got it got some pretty good range. I thought a little just a little SPI Ilars receiver does a really good job these days. I remember the olden days of the the SPI based uh, stuff, free which sky. was free sky. I could oh. just about get downstairs before it would just go. <laughs> I had one occasion where I went to the park to fly one of those SPI free, uh, free sky receivers and I flew behind myself, like six foot behind myself, and it failed safe because I was between the radio and the quad. That's how far. Yeah, I that's got. happened to me before. They're awful, weren't they? But uh, yeah, they work brilliantly for these 
these little quads, especially because if you look at the the flight control, obviously it's an all-in-one flight control ESC board and stuff, and it's just got this tiny little HT0 thing on top. You've still got extra space, believe it or not, on that tiny quad. So the fact you can build something that small is uh, it is crazy. That's good news. Crazy. These what did you think of the goggles, Jack? Um, yeah, all right. Like, no, no problem. Very tempting. You know, it's nice to have everything all in, in one package. Very versatile. Um, I liked you using your microphone for the voiceover. I thought that was pretty good. That was really um, good quality. The, the, the one thing I don't like about it is the, the sort of like analog like slipped on sort of like module it you know doesn't really sort of like fit the you know the fat shark cover over it or whatnot i kind of prefer it if it had its own like little enclosure for yeah totally it's uh, a bit like a limpet on the side it's a bit of a yeah. chunk isn't it it's quite yeah. funny when you put all the antennas on though because it's like six antennas i just look like this weird pawned thing it's quite fun yeah um, they look like they protrude quite far. I mean, I've had a go of them um, from Chris G. So I quite, I quite like the dioptic adjust. And it means that then you don't have to go out and get diopters unless, you know, obviously your eyesight's that bad. Um, it's just hard to know what to go with, really, because, like, even if I had the money right now, I still wouldn't buy a HD anything hd because obviously we're now entering winter so i won't be yeah. you know none of us are going to be flying well you know the upgrade uh, cycle on these things is still quite aggressive so in another two years you know there'll be one that will kind of make you regret that decision you know it's not going to last forever there always is and walksdale have just bought well bringing something out that we don't know about yet it yeah. looks like a pair of goggles it says october so that's all we know, I guess. I just, you know, like this this year, I think, um, I don't know, I think it's just been a particularly bad year. We had a late summer, excuses, excuses, but, you know, I think late summer, a lot of my friends were, like, busy with, like, other things and really sort of, you know, and I'm, quite, I'm a little bit worried that, like, you know, people have, like, stopped inviting me. Because I've, you know, not sort of like gone out much, and we as LDO haven't like met up. Yeah, so I don't. Yeah, I don't really know where I am because like I met up with Frank. You know, Frank, even Frank was like, "Oh, I'm thinking maybe next year," because we are entering winter, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll probably buy something then." You know, ready for the the sort of like new FPV year. But yeah, I'm I'm still I'm still not 100 percent like sold, and also I think oh yeah you can get the walk sale module and put it on the front of it, but then it's big. Yeah, it's going to be a hell of a chunker in there. But like some sort of counterweight on your head to stop it being too heavy. Yeah, <laughs> you know we've been used to kind of Sky Zone and Fat Shark vendors who've been around for a number of years, and the products that they put out they're up to kind of v4 v5 all the weird little things that didn't quite work have been fixed hd0 and walk snail are both essentially doing v1 products they may have got hand from fat shark but they're essentially a v1 product and so a lot of the things that people don't like like oh where's my input for the walk snail goggles and on the, the on the HD zero goggles like why have I got a barnacle on the side of my goggles for an analog module that everyone knew I was going to want as well as these goggles like why isn't it integrated all that stuff is it feels like it's going to be fixed in v2 or v3 but we're not quite there yet so it's kind of that early adopter pain like if you're buying a cd player in like the early 80s and you ended up with something that was the size of a dishwasher and like required vibration isolating feet and things and it was it's you you're going to have to live through a bit of that pain if you buy digital goggles now unless you just suck it up and buy dgi and say take all of my money do with it as you will i love you dgi you can do no wrong if you want something that isn't dgi then um, you're gonna have to put up with with a bit of growing pain 
I, yeah, I don't really want to end up in that sort of like DJI cycle. Yeah. I don't think many people do. No, no one wants that. No. It took them ages to get proper MSP DisplayPort. I think the HD stuff still isn't quite properly implemented. The chances of getting custom fonts, I mean, you might as well take a whiz in the wind. It's, it's unlikely to happen. Yeah. Do you, remember, do you remember the talk of Orca and their HD system? This is slightly before they oh, yeah. got ransomware or didn't or whatever. They but, took it to uh, a trade yeah, show, didn't they? They uh, had the CNC cases on, in a little display case. It was, it was in the show. little display cases, wasn't it? Because there were, there were several types, I think, as well. Mm -hmm. It's weird. Well, if I, trying to go flying tomorrow, and if I do, I will be doing analog tomorrow. Just because there's still nothing wrong with it, and it still works. And I can't be bothered to rip it out of uh, my perfectly good plane that I want to fly tomorrow just for that. Are you... Did you notice any of the upscale goodness? Because, you you know, I did notice, like, there was quite a bit of breakup regarding the, uh, you know, rapid fire in your HDOs, in your, uh, uh, what are they H called? HD zeros. HD zeros. That's it. Let's play Dementia. Clearly got Dementia. What was the question again? Was it about uh, was was there a problem with breakup? Was it was it? Yeah, it seemed problem? like yeah the DVR was really good quality, but what you were seeing was a bit different. Um, no, not really. It's 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 been really bad in the house for a good few years now since sort of five point eight Wi-Fi has taken off. Uh, flying around the house has, has been increasingly mm -hmm. dodgy uh, and gives really. Uh, bad video. Uh, out, outside is, is no problem. If I fly analog outside in the same quad, I can go for yonks, but it, it really does hit the interference. I was I, I'm sort of trying all sorts of weird channels to get over it. I think that one was on like A7 or something bizarre, which I'd come up with. But Wi-Fi seems to work on um, uh, sort of pushing out at different times. So, it, oh, this is perfectly clear. And then suddenly you've got this whole bunch of stuff come along and it's like, oh, that's wiped me out again. And you can see those, it's those constant lines that's definitely the interference as opposed to sort of break up. Yeah, it's not fun. see quite a lot. Are you excited about the um, Raspberry Pi 5 for your, you know, open HD? Not especially. It's, um, I took a quick look at the videos today and it seems like it's like, Oh yeah, that's that's a bit better. Like you know, twice as fast and stuff. And you know, I didn't I didn't see. No, I didn't. I didn't look perhaps hard enough to like. That does it have hardware H.265 uh, decoding or encoding it? Well, and stuff like yeah, that. but it's all Broadcom, isn't it? And they don't document any of their stuff, so the drivers are all reverse engineered and take a really long time to appear. So probably probably not much much use there. And of course. The, the critical side on stuff like uh, OpenHD is, is the, the stuff in the air because you can have something like much more powerful on the ground, like, you know, a, a Linux machine quite happily, and that, that will decode things brilliantly. But it depends what's up in the air and what's encoding and sending back again to how it does it. So I don't think that really moves things on much. It certainly doesn't move it into the H.265 um, stuff. That's some of the other SBCs can do. Did you see the SBC that Mario FPV was talking about? Um, he's been on this open IPC kick for quite a while now, and he uh, located an all-in-one single-board computer that did the video decode and you could connect a display directly to. Um, and, and these appear to be going for like 15 quid on AliExpress. Oh, I haven't seen that one. I saw... That he put out a thing saying that the um, OpenIPC developers were looking to make a sort of all-in-one box that they were they wanted to sell and, and were going to shove some sort of OSD potential on there. So it looks like that thing's still moving along. Uh, it's certainly an interesting project there because you can get oh yeah, that's pretty cool. So you can this tell is, the, the, v, this is the VGA board. 
Yeah, so this is the goggles end, basically. It takes 12-volt power off a barrel jack, which will be familiar to lots of us, so no, no soldering on decks and things. It's got a SATA port. There's a VGA port. There's an HDMI out. Um, it looks like uh, RJ45 for Ethernet and a couple of USB 2 ports. Um, potentially an LVDS for a, an onboard TFT there as well. And the important bit is the price. It's £14.60 all up. So you might need something to boot it off. That could be a USB flash drive, or it could be something that goes in the SATA port. Maybe there's an NVMe attachment or a um, other kind of NVRAM. But uh, it looks pretty good. It's a, it's a high silicon chipset. It's one of these things that's designed for these all-in-one security systems. And it's just for playing video streams. So it's got H.265 Plus, it says. I don't know what that means, but uh, presumably the powerful end of H.265 is supported. It will render stuff up to 4K. It'll run uh, 5 megabit uh, streams, which is enough to cope with the kind of over-air that OpenHD is doing, I guess. Um, yeah, seems pretty good. Audio compression and everything all included. Yeah, and here's the, the plugs, so network interfaces, uh, one channel of VGA output if you need that, an HDMI output, You've got your audio, a hardwired network, two hardwired USB ports, one SATA port, um, and 12 volt, two amp power supply. It takes under 10 watts, so that's pulling uh, a fair bit. It's kind of 800 milliamps at 12 volts, I guess. It's um, not too bad at all. So that, that could be, be a way to go to build a module. Could be. It would be wonderful if all these um, interesting open source, or some are open source, some not as. OpenHD is the obvious one, um, OpenIPC is the other, and there's still things like Ruby HD, all trying to do quite similar things, although OpenIPC is quite a bit more just vague, let's video stream anything. If they could sort of sort of come together and uh, put their code in a way that's like, oh, we could modulize and use bits here and bits there and watch your hardware and we can just instantly build the right thing for you, it, it'd be good. Yeah, they need an integrator to turn this into a real product because unless you're a a solderer and have what's maybe quite a large 3D printer and a lot of time on your hands to get it just right, you're going to be spending a while getting this together. And it's going to make that Walksnail module look tiny. Yeah. CMOS battery. Baby battery on there, isn't that sweet? CMOS battery. (laughs) It's got a real-time clock as well if you want to date stamp your DVR. I know. VGA, though, I mean, who's using VGA? Well, I mean, you could snap off the VGA, you could flatten the CMOS battery, you could rip the RJ45 off and end up with something that's a wee bit smaller. USB is probably useful to have. Obviously, you need the DC jack, you need the HDMI. I think with a a small amount of hacking, you could get this board down to something that's a wee bit flatter. It doesn't have quite so many bulky ports on it. I mean, that VGA, what you've got an HDMI right there, and it's positively diminutive, maybe an eighth of the size of this giant VGA port. So, um, yeah, I, I just get a pair of pliers and uh, you know, either desolder or just hulk out and rip it off. Oh, through hole, though. Good luck with hulking it off. Yeah. Look at I those mean, ground lugs. <laughs> they are big lugs, aren't they? We don't like big lugs. <clears throat> Got no chance, mate. You're better off just cutting the board with a Dremel. Anyway, so this is, if, if you don't mind it being a bit of a chonkster, maybe, you know, Curry was talking about having big kind of old box goggles. This is something that would, you know, maybe fit on a big old box goggle. So there's that. And at 14 quid, like, you take a punt, can't you? Uh, even if you pay that on top of that, it's under 20 quid to see what happens. I think this guy's free shipping as well. Let's go up to the top again. Yeah, 14 and... Free shipping, estimated by October the 20th. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Has anyone used this in in an aircraft, though? uh, Yeah, one of the reasons... I mean, I got this link from Mario's video, and um, he preceded this by, you know, showing... Just uh, switch into that as well. Um, Cut the audio on this. And um, he was showing it 
with open open ipc booting off of it so i'm assuming that that means it works so blah 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 yeah it's a board thank you um there's a tool it's kind of a pain in the ass blah 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 plug in ftdi adapter something something load something up onto nvram i'm guessing messing around messing around messing around blah 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 yes we can all read tutorials in our own free time um and it kind of gets to the end and he's running open ipc on it with a you know the video output there so um yeah you can you can do it it's uh it's usable but you need to go the open ipc route which means your camera has got to be one of the select few that's supported by open ipc and that whole project is very much like tinker toy right now it's not it's not a real thing also notice he hasn't connected a camera to, oh oh wait what's this at the end oh he has got a camera on it there we are so it yeah it appears to be working and it what he's got like a three meg stream there there's a wee bit of corruption on the stream but it's working there, it's there not are bad, is it? remove them. he says he's going to fix the corruption now as well it's not bad no and you're paying sort of 15 or 20 quid for each end of the connection which is it feels a lot more like let's go back to using old security cameras because they're available and everyone can get can afford them you know everyone can find somewhere that buys the dgi system but it costs an arm and a leg and this it's like 10 percent the cost of a full dgi setup to get both ends done it's very affordable feels oh, democratizing I'm falling so far behind on like general stuff. Like OpenHD, my my plan was to upgrade to the the new version and upgrade iNav, but I just haven't had time or the weather to do it. Yeah. And the, the reason I'm going out tomorrow is because I had like a a review thing that I wanted to finish off. Um. But yeah, days days to fly becoming less and less. I, I do like flying little quads can I can just go down my local woods and crash them into trees, which is a lot easier than having to is the weather gonna be good enough? Am I gonna to have to be able to drive to that field? Will I launch it and will the men in the next field shout at me, scaring the people so in the snowflower fields? Building rinky dink stuff like this that I could just fly anywhere with the little walk snail VTX. Although this one did fly like absolute garbage, so this is getting rebuilt and I just ordered um a baby eight pro v2 frame which is like a little three inch but in the style of like a regular freestyle quad rather than this weird ultralight that has terrible resonance issues it just jiggles and oh it's terrible it's it's i'm running this this the sunny sky 1106s which are notoriously like incredibly notchy and noisy but it, it has been very difficult to tune i don't really enjoy trying to fight with it so that's getting a rebuild did you manage to get it out all this week? Was, we had a, a half-decent day Monday, and then that was it. Uh, fingers crossed tomorrow. I can't remember. I don't think I did. I think I, I flew a couple of packs last week, but not this week. Been busy, busy, busy. I built the, uh, put the GPS in the thingy. Oh, I'm completely blanky on the guy's name. Come on. Superfly. Superfly. I finally put his frame together and I've got a GPS in it. And I've got M10 GPS units that have all arrived from AliExpress and have been sitting around. And I thought, oh, well, I'll install a couple of those. And the hype mm. is real, guys. Compared to the M8 units, I'm getting a fix indoors. I'm getting like 19 satellites indoors. I used to get Whoa. five at most. I've got 19 which is it's pretty incredible. Quite happy with it. No way. Yeah. You're kidding. How much are they a piece? And are they quite big? Oh, it depends who you buy it from. You can get some of them on AliExpress for about 10 or each. If you get like the rebranded ones from HGLRC or iFlight, then you might pay 20 or 25 quid. It depends. They're the if you look for you remember there was a BN two twenty with mm. Betian, so they've they've got the same range, they're same physical dimensions. So you've got the the one eighty, the two twenty, and then the eight eighty. 
um, but they've changed the, the letters. So the old ones would be N to 180, B N to 20, B N 880. The new ones would be E. So you've got B E 180, B E 220, B E 880. And those are all different antenna sizes, but with a, a new M10 chip. And uh, yeah, it seems to have a lot more sensitivity. Um, and it, so that means you're, you're locking satellites, you're getting more of them much quicker. Nice. And have you tested those with um, interference? Because digital was was always quite bad for knocking um, GBS uh, out. Yeah, it's just been desk tested so far, so I've got to give it a go and, and actually take them out. Like I said, I haven't been doing much flying outdoors, but I'm, I've got one that's very small that's like a 12 mil antenna. So I'm going to put that on a park flyer and take that round. Basically rebuild this little three-inch onto that baby ape frame that I was talking about and then put a tiny GPS on that. I might even get one of these 220 models on it, but um, take it out and see how it fares. Unfortunately, while I've got the great GPSs on, like new five inches, which is, you know, it's getting loads of satellite. This is the one that's getting 19 sats indoors. Um, can't fly like a 6S quad around my park, a 6S five-inch. It's incredibly loud and incredibly dangerous and there's not enough space for it so i've got to find another solution i haven't really gone out into the woods this year like previous years i'd just disappear into the woods for half a day and go fly just haven't had time to do it that's kind of lit a fire under me being like ooh, you know with the with the new gps modules because i'm i i did uh solder uh resolder my um I now board for my uh, AR wing, so might might have a little cut cut it open and have a little bit of a bit of an upgrade. Mm, it's worth a punt if it is as good as you say it is. They definitely changed in performance because I remember struggling so hard, and a lot of the time I was going to fly and use GPS, and it just wouldn't. I wouldn't get a lock. I'd just, you know, find an old battery and I'd be like, right, I landed at 3.7. I'll plug the old battery in to this quad, the bomber GPS, and sort of wait for it to get a lock on the old battery and then warm start it on the fresh battery and fly. And it would just sit there for like five minutes doing absolutely FA. Um, and, and it <laughs> seems a lot better now. Wow, man. Ah. Yeah, yeah I used to, when I was testing indoors and it wasn't working it's like oh is this working how do i do it without and i had to put these blinds up here and i had to angle the blinds and then put the gps receiver on the edge of the blind so it's kind of pointing out the window at an angle and then try and lay enough cable through so i can just get some stats from it to see if it's actually working or not well it's i've done that nightmare. put the plane out the window in the hope to <laughs> just just get a few messages back and forth and to know it is actually working just get that fresh almanac goodness on so you can go out and fly and you won't be standing in a field waiting and waiting this episode was recorded in front of a live online audience downloaded and edited to make sense when it's played audio only censored to please the itunes people hosted on the internet forwarded through to your podcast provider downloaded playing on your device and is now playing in your ears all thanks to our Patreons. Consider joining them and you'll also get other online benefits. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash let's drone out. How's those beers, Curry? Have you got many left? This is the last one. No way. Is the spirit of innovation filling you, Curry? Can you feel the ideas bubbling to the surface? It's, it's the taste of the jizz of Elon Musk. That's oh. Amber Nexter. That's... Uh... That's not a recommendation at all, actually. I think we should just avoid that. Like, really? Plate, then. No. Um, I now have some point O. Uh, Caroline sent us this little video of uh, VTOL, the He Wing oh, yeah. V1 VTOL. There's this been a few a... of those VTOLs recently, haven't there? Yeah. This is interesting, though, because if you wanted to VTOL before, before this time, it was I'll do pilot or nothing. So the fact I now have mm. come around to it is is quite a step plus. forward because if you've ever had to play with Ardu Pilot coming into it from something which is fairly user friendly in comparison, like Beta Flight or iNav, it's just like 
what is going on? Why is there a spreadsheet in this thing? Why does it keep saying my compass is crazy all the time? I don't understand it. And, and while INAV doesn't really allow you to do sophisticated tuning, at least you've got kind of some tuning. I think the PID loop at, on RG Pilot, isn't it like a, a 1K PID loop or something, or even slower? It's just like really doesn't care about flight performance. It's, that's someone else's I, I, problem. It's hard you know, to say. It's, on it. You just have to look for all these different weird setting things and try and do yeah it's like the the, the actual tuning is the the least part of it the the part about getting it into a, a place where it will actually arm itself and decide there's not a problem with something and it will murder anyone it's that's standing near terrible. it because it's running yeah. 20 inch props or something <laughs> that's painful Jack. What well, didn't your mate Oscar drop a review recently of a very affordable VTOL? I think I saw that. What, what was Oscar's latest? I've no idea about this. That is the I can tell it's you what it is. It's Manta VTOL, and, and apparently it. this was like one hundred and forty dollars. That and I think that is the not RT, ready to fly RTF. one. Yeah, the RTF was like two hundred, but that is small money for a VTOL. I, I tried to get, I saw this on Banggood and Banggood kept offering me things to review. Like here is a, here is a car, here is, here is a plane, here is a helicopter. And I was like, can I have this? This looks interesting. It's a VTOL plane. I think that's more interesting. And first it was like, oh, we can't ship that to you. And then it's like, oh, right now we can't give any samples of this away. So, I'm, so the I'm plug and play version is 136 quid. So that gives you everything except the flight controller. Chuck in the flight controller, ESC and GPS, and then it's 200. So yeah. you, because they're going to give you some rando, unbranded, God knows who made it, flight controller, and the same with the GPS, I'd probably go for just getting the 136 quid one and reckoning that know. for seven pounds you can find. Fim Fimi has got quite a good reputation. They're, they're one of the few companies that bought out quads that are on the sort of level that dji could do i th i think andy andy rc reviewed a, a bunch of their stuff i know caroline had one for a while as well um and they seem pretty good so i was thinking the the quality of this might be all right mm. but i haven't, I haven't they did make the that. point that that in his review he said well there's a plug for a gps with uh two extra wires for i2c for the mag magnetometer and the GPS they've installed doesn't have a magnetometer, which you kind of need if you're doing INAV as a as a multi-rotor. So you're you're not going to be able to get all the autonomous stuff on this. So you you probably yeah, you, you it, need sure. it does look like you should probably do your own. But it's it's not running INAV, is it? It's running a, a type of Ardu pilot on that particular oh. one. He's yeah, right. That's mission plan. Right there. Yeah. You still you still want a mag for heading, don't you, with a multi-rotor? Ideally, but it's it's both a multi-rotor and fixed wing. So the, the fixed wing can obviously derive the the direction from going forward. And I, I think even on RD pilot, you don't have to have a compass for um okay. for flying fixed wing. It's just the fact when it then stops and goes into multi-rotor mode, it doesn't really know which way it's facing. But maybe it's just because just land, damn it. Okay, well, yeah, I guess so long as you're not planning on doing any precision stuff, you should be A-OK. -okay. It still looks like kind of a deal. So Weird-ass radio. Getting a lot. I thought it's so. Just, there's but, something yeah. cool about the multi-rotor takeoff and then just the zoom when you flip into to wing mode. Ugh, it's FWBA mode. <laughs> what, does, what does that mean? Uh, it means something else. I can't remember. Um, it's some sort of there's there's several there's several like stabilized flight modes in RD Pilot. I don't think I've actually flown a plane in RD Pilot. I tried it out on a quad. Um, one of my friends used to fly it all the time, and I used to joke that his OSD looked like a, an Excel spreadsheet because it was just all this all this stuff everywhere. It was just lines and lines of text. I couldn't work out what was going on. Oh, one thing they make a point of with this: if you do buy the the ready to fly one then they've done all of the spreadsheet simulator stuff for RG Pilot for you, and you get something that's basically sanely configured and ready to go, which is nice. Yeah, which is what I thought. Yeah, 
And there's a fly-by-wire B as well, I think. And I don't know the difference. That's why I thought it was quite good. But um, yeah. I, I can keep asking them because it's like, uh, no, I don't want to review any of your crap you're talking about. But this looks interesting and I kind of like the idea. The of plane will hold roll and pitch specified by the sticks. Okay. So it's like... It doesn't actually, you're not controlling the servos, you're controlling the pitch, and then there's going to be a PID controller that actually moves the servos and hits that pitch that you, you've told it to do. Something like that. Right. No, Which kind of makes sense. Because you don't really want to be worrying like, oh, you know, how much do I need to move the servo? You just want to set the pitch and go. Oh, it's got roll limits as well. So this is a, not a full, full manual. It's a limited inputs. Yeah, I suppose it's like the um, like angle mode in uh, in INAV. One good say. Yeah. It's really interesting. DVR corrupted from this point. That's handy. Yeah, I kind of like the idea of uh, VTOLs because the one of the problems with flying fixed wing is is a decent like area to land a takeoff I'm, the, the theory is i go out with the mini talent tomorrow and that thing doesn't like to go below about 30 miles an hour so when you're coming into landing it's like you need a quite a large big space to and try and bleed off some of this speed um but you, you often end up overshooting fields but i like the idea of like okay we've done our fixed wing flying and drop that'd be nicer Avoids all that messing with wet grass, I guess. Yeah, that's going to be interesting as well. So, yeah, potentially something that might be coming up if people are starting to really put these out with uh, serious intent. We might be looking at 2024 and the end of this year as you know, dawn of a lot of VTOL clones all of a sudden. It'd be fun. Dawn of the VTOL. Oh, Oscar yeah. also mentioned that it was a right pig to get the camera installed on this thing, and he ended up hanging his camera on some pretty ugly 3D print that he had to put on the front of the thing. So it's not perfect for FPV, but it can nice. do it. I think, I think they said on their, on their blurb when I looked at it, it was all set up to put a, a DJI uh air unit in there and he's obviously got walk stand in there and it, there's not that much difference certainly camera wise is there yeah maybe i don't know maybe he just missed the mount but he yeah, yeah it was quite critical and said he needed this giant 3d print it does look like the nose has something going on there which would, would hold a camera uh, maybe he decided he didn't want to cut the foam because it does look like it's got a solid nose You'd need to cut it to actually get the, the camera in there. If I can get one, I'll find out. None of their pictures have a camera in their nose. No, Nag they're just talking about being able to put one in there. Huh? Nag them. Nag oh, I'll try again. Do it, Harry. What did they oh, say? Yeah. Multifunction equipment compartment provides perfect support for analog image transition and high-definition image transition. And they've got pictures of the uh, original DJI. They've got pictures of the Cadex Vista walks what they call Calix Vista air unit, which is definitely a walk snail one. And then there's the DJI 03. And it looks like you should pop out a midsection of the nose or cut it or something. And then there's a bay in there. But for whatever reason, he didn't do that. I'm not sure. Hmm. Previous, previous conversation with Banggood went from their end. Yeah, it can ship to the UK now, but Finley Manta has lack of stock at present. I will check if we have more sample. I will hassle them tomorrow. Give me one. Do it, do it. Right. Do you want to talk about Wait. Gemini stuff? Oh, yeah. And one, one last thing no, for unfamiliar. our viewers. I'm just going to put a picture of where the camera should go, which is that. So, there. I mean, it looks like there's a hole. There. Looks can be deceiving, though. It can like look perfectly sensible, and then you open it up. It's like, well, how am I supposed to get in there? What holds it in? I mean, it looks like a big hole. Oh, I've got flashbacks to Kit Kats. <laughs> oh dear, the horror of the horror. Quick, talk about radio protocols. You may have seen, you may have done, I haven't watched it, videos about this thing, which is from Beta FPV and it's called something like the Super G 
receive, uh, transmitter. This is a module with two active antennas, which well can broadcast on ELRS, and it goes up to one watt. And there's this new mode for it called Gemini. And I have to say, I didn't know anything about any of the other modes. As, as far as I'm concerned with ELRS, I was like, I install my receiver, I install my transmitter, I put it on something like 250 hertz, and I fly, and I can go relatively far away, and my LQ is always about 100. Might drop in the turn, and then it's 100. So I've never thought about anything else. But then I found there's all these other modes, which you probably know uh, quite a lot about, Stephen, but I never really looked at them. So you had stuff like antenna diversity, where you have two antennas on a receiver, and depending on the RSSI, it would say, oh, I'll take the packet from this one, or, oh, this one's become stronger, I'll take the packet from that one. And then you've got this thing called true diversity, which was both antennas work at the same time, and they're like, we'll have this one because that packet's not corrupted and this packet is. And so you have multiple chances to get the same stuff across. Gemini is kind of interesting because instead of just having, okay, we'll send the packet twice, and then you, you might get it on one of these diversity receivers. It says, oh, we'll send the packet on one frequency on this one, and we'll send the packet on a slightly different frequency on this one. Therefore, if there's RF interference along the way, hopefully one of you will get along. And then I found out there was this, these other modes, the D modes, or also called Deja Vu um, something assistance, diversity assistance, DVDA, which when you put it into D250, it operates internally at 1,000 hertz and sends that one packet like four times on different frequencies. So it's like you've got four chances to get it, but you're effectively working at 250 hertz. And you can combine that with Gemini. So you're having all these packets flying around in different frequencies. So your chances of getting to one of, well, from one of these wow. to one of the receivers is... So you've run like D250... And on the back end, that's doing a thousand, perhaps. It's your each radio because this isn't just two antennas. This is two discrete radios in a single mm -hmm. module. That's the cool thing here, right? That it's not like antenna diversity where it's like we've got all the antennas. We'll use the strongest antenna. No, there's two radio chains that duplicate everything up through the radio, and so it's going to be sending the packet four times out of each channel. So you've got eight eight packets in the air to ensure that just one of them gets through. That gives you pretty good odds, and doesn't then, it? Then you've, oh, I love this. <laughs> it's like doing this. And then you've got two discrete receivers saying, okay, what, we're going to get one of these, surely. Surely we must get one. And the idea being that if you're in a particularly bad RF environment where you might be getting I – th I think the typical use case here is you're at an FPV race event. Loads of people are near. Loads of people have their radios on. Everybody's operating at a very high resolution. And there's just stuff going on everywhere. That sort of thing might affect your transmission rate. And obviously for racers, if they're missing a few packets, you know what they're like? It's like, I can feel it. I can feel it in my mm. thumbs or my pinch. And the race organizer is going to be on them and go, 25 milliwatt only, only 25 milliwatts. You've got to do everything you can with that 25 milliwatt, right? Exactly. So there are a lot of very interesting ways of boosting your signal. Now, I have, I've tested this, and I don't think my test for this is particularly robust, but I did it nevertheless because I didn't have anything else, which, which equals I took my receiver and plugged it in a beck and stuck it on my desk without putting these in the position. Then I stuck this on my radio, put the whole thing at 25 milliwatts, walk down the street, so I put three houses in between me and the uh, receiver, and then I looked on my radio telemetry to see what was my RSI on each of the antennas and what was my LQ. And I, I could take like a single antenna and put it in this position, and my LQ would be somewhere from 20 to 30. And then I tried doing various things to try and get it up. I think one of the problems is that it was built for RF problems as opposed to buildings in the way, blocking the signal problems. But it's still got a better signal, although what it's very difference? temperamental. It's, the, the problem is it jumped around quite a lot. And by just moving my radio this much, I got a vast different signal. But on the worst case of like single antenna 
uh, internal module, uh, albeit the, the, the receivers were working diversity. As I said, 20 to 30, no matter what it did. And on the best thing, it was it could drop as low as 50, but very slight turns would get it up to sort of 60 to 80. Oh, that's like a that. big difference. So it was, kind of, it was kind of weird for me because when I was looking for it going through each one, it was like, well, it seems a bit better, but not brilliantly better. And then I moved up and it seems all right. And then when I looked back at the video and I saw the initial one to like, we're running in Gemini mode using D250, it's like, oh, well, that is quite a difference. In fact, I'm getting mm. a lot more through than, because like I was literally trying to film it with my phone and talking about it. And every two seconds, the radio was like, RF critical and stuff like that, as opposed to when I was using Gemini, it wasn't. So it's quite an interesting system. I'm not sure I'd need it in, in my flying. If you're in a field and you've got LQ of 100 on a single antenna, then you're not likely to see any benefit. But I am kind of interested because it turns out that the 14-channel um, the receiver I was trying to test for the past few weeks and haven't been able to go out and is on my mini Talon. And what I've done, it's a, it's a V-wing, so I've got the antenna stuck either side. That is also a true diversity receiver, so we'll work with this. And I was interested to see what would happen in a turn in, in a sort of a regular single transmitter um, antenna versus Gemini, or even in true diversity. Will it, will it overcome the problem of doing the turn and having the nulls? But you should just do that in diversity anyway. That might be a moot point. We will see. Yeah, I think what, what we're really getting around here is the problems that you get from things like Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Because when Express LRS connects between the transmitter and the receiver, it's not staying on a single frequency, right? That both there's a the passphrase that you give Express LRS is actually hashed to produce a table so you give it a bunch of digits and just like with wi-fi passwords it produces uses that to to extract other data and it produces a table that tells it not just which single frequency to go on to but how to kind of play the melody of all the different frequencies that it hump it jumps around and and it's going to produce a different jump pattern for each passphrase that you give it so the two lock on have the same passphrase and and then it's going to have a jump table that it chooses and go up and down frequencies at the same time well if one of those frequencies happens to be on you know you're coinciding with a bluetooth transmission or a wi-fi transmission that also does this because wi-fi and bluetooth are also uh, frequency hopping spread spectrum systems they're going to knock out that packet but if you've got two Express LRS radios that have two slightly different uh, frequency hopping schemes, then when Wi-Fi stomps on one of them or Bluetooth stomps on one of those packets, the other one is going to get through. So it, it sorts out situations where you've got a radio signal that happens to just jump on the frequency that one of those radios is on, then the other one will get through. So yeah, typical, typical use cases, you're your busy race event. And I think Jai Smith put a video up uh, many moons ago when he sort of developed this, showing the differentiation on, on race events, and they had seven people in the air at a time. And uh, sort of, I think it was always on sort of 90-ish LQ at the worst case, but when you put it on like Gemini, it came up to 100, and of course it gets this full, full whack there. The, the other thing this might be useful for is people that are into long range. If you've ever sort of flown long range on fixed wing or, or whatever, I say fixed wing because you've got more time in the air, um, is what can happen is you're flying along and you can get like the signal looks really dodgy for a while. And, and this can happen both in video and uh, radio. And then somehow you go further and it comes good again. So it's like there's sort of just patches where you've got like dodgy RF areas and potentially um, being because I think it's what it's 40 hertz difference isn't it between the, the two antennas um, if you go into one of these places it might be that the other antenna is like perfectly fine nothing's nothing's wrong here and that gets the signal and you can carry on through without any problem but yeah again like Express LRS keeps keeps developing at a very high pace it can do an awful lot now it's even more impressive than it was before yeah, I'm looking I'm looking forward to some of the Bluetooth telemetry outputs. That's one thing I wanted to use. 
Um, that, that seems to have been in the wings for a while, but I'm hoping to... I always quite fancied syncing to like an Android phone and using a telemetry viewer to kind of see where I've been flying if I've got GPS on the quad. Um, I've never really got good results putting the unit in the radio, and I think having the, the Bluetooth come from the Express LRS transmitter would make a, a ton more sense because those people kind of design things a bit more carefully than some of the add-in boards you get for OpenTX, I think. That'd be interesting. And I still have to check out wireless head tracking as well once I get oh, done yeah. with the wired head tracking, which hopefully is tomorrow. How's that going? Well, see if I can fly. I mean, everything seems to work on the desk. Um, I just need a half-decent day. I've got one more 5200 uh, 4S to charge up, uh, which I probably don't need because that... My mini tennis should stay in the air for about 40 minutes at least. I think 40 minutes last time I was, I was just like, I've done everything I want to and I've still got extra battery. I'll just land. So I probably don't need the free batteries. Just I'm land thinking. at like 3.85, exactly. Storage charge, perfect. Done. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hope, hopefully they go all right and hopefully the weather forecast won't change because what I notice is like, it's like, oh, it's looking good for Tuesdays, it was. And then when I checked the weather forecast on Monday, it's like, no, it, now it's looking bad again. And then Tuesday came and it's like, actually, it wasn't too bad. Maybe I should charge up. I don't know what's worse is you charge up and then you find out you can't go and that's annoying or you don't charge up because the weather forecast is rubbish and then it turns out to be good after all. So both are equally frustrating. <sighs> yeah. FOMO or, on the other hand, like forcing yourself to go fly because you tell yourself that, you're invested all this money in the hobby and you have to go use it and then you have a miserable time doing it. It's hard to know what to do. It's hard to know. That's true. We should, well, I don't know. We should have a meetup. The trouble is I think none of us actually wants to, to go traveling that far. That's the trouble with this tiny little country. All, all of us would agree to meet up in our house or, or next to our house. <laughs> so you just turn well, up me. and we'll do something. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and it it gets worse at this season, doesn't it? If it's not too cold and muddy, then the wind's blowing at a horrific gale. Oh, I know. Well, not not where I am usually, but yeah, it's uh, it's just that the space here is the struggle. I have to kind of go out and go next to some golf course or something, and get in the, the middle of nowhere. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us for this talk of VTOLs. Um, KitKat insertion and radio protocols. Thank you to our wonderful Patreons. Please, to continue with this wonderful train wreck that we've got, please become a Patreon, donate, keep the lights on, keep the website up, keep the little uh, studio subscription here running. Thank you very much to everyone who does. You have been joined tonight by Curry Kitten. Sorry? Full title? Everyone's favourite, Curry Kitten. Goodbye. That's part of his contract. And also the marvellous, ever-present Jack, Meow. keeper of the Kit Kats. And me, the stupid guy with the moustache, who's got quite a nice camera lens. It's a nice bokeh effect, I thought. seemed to work out okay. I'm happy with it anyway. Cheers. Have a good week, everyone. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Telemetry lost.